Hello and welcome to season one of Romance with Heart and Heat, your podcast and YouTube show for contemporary rom-com audiobook serials. My name is Marie Matthew and I'm the author of the stories you're going to hear on this channel. The title of season one is The Bad Girl List and this is a fake dating second chance rom-com set in California wine country. Find out how one life-changing vacation list puts the heart of Dominique Chen on the line when she meets sexy wine grower Trevor Moretti. The content of this channel is intended for audience members that are 18 years and older. There is some explicit content on this channel. There is light swearing and there are some explicit spicy scenes. So I don't want any surprises as people move into the story so you have been warned. Be sure to stick around at the end of each episode for author commentary. And if you have any questions or comments, you can drop them into the comments section in YouTube, or you can also send me an email at romancingmarie at gmail.com. I'll do my best to answer questions and comments in future episodes on the show. Please like and subscribe to my channel on your favorite platform, whatever that happens to be. And please help me spread the word and share the show with your friends. Now, as you're listening along, if you get to the point where the tension's too much and you just can't wait to find out what happens next, you can head over to mariematthew.com and you can purchase the complete season of The Bad Girl List over on my website. It's available in ebook format, audiobook format, and there's also autographed hardbacks and paperbacks. So you will get the entire season for free on YouTube and the podcast. But again, if you just can't wait, head over to mariematthew.com. Thanks so much for listening. And now it's time for some romance with heart and heat. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 34. Truth. Dominique. It's after four o'clock by the time Trevor pulls up in front of the VRBO. The family van is parked in front. Crap, I'd been hoping to beat them back. Hopefully Annika was able to cover for me. Can you stop a little further up the street, I ask. My mom thinks I went home with period cramps. She doesn't know your dad picked me up. Your mom thinks you're home with period cramps, he echoes. How are you planning to get inside? I haven't figured that out yet. I need to text my cousin. I open the door and step out, wondering if I'm going to have to crawl in through the bedroom window. Dominique? I jerk in surprise as my mother walks out of the house. She stands on the walkway, arms crossed as she looks at me and Trevor. There is no doubt in my mind that she recognizes him, even from this distance. I gotta go. Thanks for the ride. I shut the door and turn away from him and Tequila, my mind racing as I try to come up with a plausible excuse. The BMW glides out of the cul-de-sac. I see Trevor glance at me one last time before he turns the corner, but I keep my gaze on my mom and do my best to look nonchalant. You said you were going home because of period cramps, mom says as I approach. I stop a few feet in front of her. Half a dozen lies circulate in my head. As I stand there, I realize how exhausted I am. Everything with Trevor and Tim Moretti has left me wanting a good, long nap. Before I can settle on a story that I think she'll buy, mom says, Dom, are you cheating on Oliver? Her voice is soft, her eyes accusing and hurt, as though cheating on Oliver hurts her. Something in me snaps. Am I cheating on Oliver? I say. Mom, he cheated on me. He dumped me weeks ago for his tennis partner. I storm past her toward the house. What are you talking about? Mom follows me up the walkway. You said he got a promotion. I thought everything was fine between you guys. I spin around to face her in front of the door. In my periphery, I notice Auntie Helen, Auntie Dee, and Annika all peering through the front window blinds to watch the show. I lied mom, I say flatly. I didn't want to tell you and dad we broke up because I know how much you guys love him. And I was embarrassed, okay? 
Emotions play over her face, too many for me to process. I fling open the front door and march into the house. Auntie Helen and Auntie Dee pretend to be absorbed in the air around them, neither of them looking my way. Annika gives me a grimace that clearly conveys sympathy. In case you didn't overhear our conversation, Oliver and I broke up, I say to the living room at large. He cheated on me with this tennis partner, then dumped me. I put my hands on my hips as mom comes into the house and closes the door. Dom, she says, but I roll over her. I also got fired from Presidio last week, I say. I didn't tell you guys because I didn't want to spend our vacation buried in Craigslist ads. The silence stretches. Annika stares at me as though my hair has just turned pink. That's right, I say. I am jobless and boyfriendless. Sorry to disappoint everyone. But you know what? I'm going to start my own business as a design consultant. Tim Moretti just hired me to redesign his wine label portfolio. And once I'm done with that, he's hired me to update all of his marketing collateral. This statement seems to kickstart everyone's ability to speak. Andy D says, what about healthcare? Auntie Helen says, what are you going to do about retirement? Mom says, this doesn't sound very stable, Dom. Oh my God, I throw up my arms. Can you guys just stop? I am really, really excited about this. It's a huge opportunity. The Moretti family is well-connected. If this job goes well, it could open a lot of doors for me. And in case you're wondering, I'm not seeing Trevor. He just gave me a ride home after my meeting with Tim. I spin on my heel and leave my family standing in the living room, stunned by my outburst. I slam the door to the bedroom and flop down. Annika scurries in a few seconds later. Holy shit, she hisses. Holy shit. Way to let it all out, cousin. I cover my face with my pillow. How bad was that, I ask. Um... I feel her sit down on the bed next to me. You might want to stay in here for a while. Damn perfect Dominique just turned their world sideways. But seriously, Dom. She grabs the pillow from me and tosses it aside. I am so proud of you. You just stood up to our family. I didn't stand up to them, I blew up at them. In a family that's as polite as ours, that's essentially the same thing, Annika says. I know it's hard but don't you feel better now that it's all off your chest? I consider her words. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to forget the look of horror I saw on my mom's face, but it's a relief to have the lie out in the open. It does feel a little better, I admit, but it feels crappy too. I feel like I'm a bad kid. Focus on the part that feels good. Now you don't have to hide anymore. Annika leans over and gives me a big hug. I'm so proud of you, Dom. I hug her back, wondering what I would do without Annika. I can always count on her. Can I tell you something, Annika asks. What is it? I've always been a little jealous of you, Annika says. You're so smart and talented. You don't even have to try and everyone sees it just like Tim did. He was right to hire you. I frown at her. You're smart and talented, Annika. Not the way you are, Annika replies. I'm more of a survivor, like an alley cat. I get by with my wits. You're naturally gifted. I don't like hearing her talk like this. You have lots of talent. Just because school wasn't your thing doesn't mean you don't have your own gifts. Annika waves the comment away. I'm not complaining. I like my life, but every once in a while I wish I was a bit more like my favorite cousin. When she smiles at me I feel myself relax. How am I going to face them, I ask. Well, for now you're going to stay in here. Everyone needs a cooling off period. Annika settles back on the bed. I tried to cover for you, I really did. But your mom insisted on making you some tea, and when I tried to deliver it for her, she insisted on bringing it to you herself. She wrinkles her nose. I think she was suspicious from the get-go. The tea was just an excuse to come and check to see if you were really in bed. I think she's been suspicious since she saw you and Trevor together at the dinner. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to freak you out, but your chemistry was pretty obvious. Thinking of Trevor makes me deflate even more. What are you not telling me? Annika asks. 
I tell her about Tim Moretti, the job offer, and how he dumped me out in the vineyard with Trevor. I tell her all the things Trevor and I talked about. When I'm finished she flops onto her bed and says, that is the saddest story I've ever heard. He's really into you. Don't get me wrong, I think you did the right thing. You deserve to have a guy who's going to put you first. Her words should bolster me but instead, they make me feel even more deflated. It's like someone confirming you really do look fat in that dress, or that the meal you slaved over tastes as bad as you suspect it does. I grab my purse and dig out the bad girl list to cross off number 4, sneaking out. Today definitely counts for this, I say, holding up the list for Annika to see. Hell yes it counts, Annika replies grinning. You couldn't have planned it better if you tried. Someone knocks on the door. Dom, will you please come out here so I can speak to you? I almost get out of bed to answer the door. The response is automatic, like I really am still a little kid living under her roof. But I'm not a little kid. I am 25 years old. No, I say. I don't want to talk right now, mom. Annika's eyes bug. Dom, mom says. Not right now, mom. I need to be alone. I wait for her to argue. I wait for her to insist, but she doesn't. She turns around and leaves. I cross number 9 off the list, just say no. I think the list is working, Annika says. You stood up to the family twice in the same day. You even stood up to Trevor. Maybe it is. Maybe I am learning how to speak up for myself. Maybe the bad girl list, as silly and horrifying as it seemed at first, is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Only two more things on the list, I say. Buy something not on sale and a vacation fling. Dom, you don't have to do number 10 if you don't want to, Annika says. I know you're not a casual person. I just put that on the list to see if I could really push you out of your comfort zone. Hell, I wasn't even sure you would get a tattoo. You surprised the shit out of me when you went through with that. I haven't come this far to throw in the towel now, I say with a shake of my head. I'm seeing this through no matter what. Oh my god, I forgot to tell you, Minnie offered to be my number 10 last night. No way. Annika stares at me. Are you fucking with me? I'm not. I think she was serious. Oh, if she said it, she's definitely serious. She sent me three boob shots today. Annika grabs her phone and opens her text messages. Sure enough, there are several boob selfies from Minnie. One of her nipples is pierced. I'm beginning to think she likes girls more than guys, Annika says. Thomas didn't get any boob shots. Kevin texted me a bunch of times last night, I say. Between him and Minnie, I have plenty of options for a fling. One way or another, I'm finishing the bad girl list before vacation ends. Chapter 35. Pancakes. Dominique. I stay in my room the rest of the night and binge watch K-dramas on my Netflix app. Annika brings back leftovers from dinner, a burger and fries from a local place with a coupon of course. When morning comes, I know I have to face my family. The prospect once would have filled me with dread. Today I just feel resigned. Yes, they are disappointed in me. No, they do not approve of my new job. But for once, I'm determined not to let their disappointment steer the direction of my life. Annika is right. I have to start living for myself, not the family. It's the only way I'm going to get my life back on track. I'm certainly not going to spend the last two days of vacation sulking in my room. I still have a list to complete after all. My mom and aunties have been up for a while, moving around in the kitchen and talking. Annika is out there too. I can smell breakfast. Taking a deep breath, I square my shoulders and march out of the bedroom. I find the four of them huddled around the kitchen table, talking to one another in low voices. That's not proper language, Auntie D is saying. Please mom, Annika says. Don't be so old-fashioned. I'm not writing that, mom says. I'm sticking with the original plan. I clear my throat. Morning, guys. They all jump and turn around, forming a wall in front of the table. Dom, you're up, Annika says. I thought I would have to get a crowbar to pry you out of bed. Yep, I'm up, I reply. What are you guys doing? Mom says, nothing. Auntie D says, go back to your room until we're ready for you. Annie Helen says, getting breakfast ready. 
Annika says, oh my god you guys are so lame, Dom go back to the room, I'll tell you when you can come out, what's going on, I ask, just go back to the room, Annika says, with one last frown at my family, I return to the bedroom, this is not what I expected when I got up this morning, I expected hushed, strained conversation and looks of disappointment, now they're acting weird, like they have a surprise for me, but that doesn't make any sense, it's not my birthday and I've done nothing to deserve a surprise, you can come out now, Annika hollers, I pad back into the kitchen, on the table is a large cookie sheet covered in pancakes. As I get closer I see pink frosting on the pancakes. There are messages written on them. We never liked Oliver, one pancake says. Congrats on your new job, says another pancake. Oliver was a douche, very selfish person. The word douche has a line through it, telling me someone tried to cross it off after Annika wrote it. We are so happy to see you are free of that soul-sucking drawing again. On that one the words free of that soul-sucking have been crossed out. Uncle Fred will help you build a website for your new business, says the last pancake. Tears flood my eyes. I stand in front of the table, my lips quivering, emotions tumbling around inside me like clothes in a dryer. Well, Annika demands. What do you think? I burst out crying. Mom is the first one to grab me in a hug. I thought you loved Oliver. I wail into her shoulder. Well honey, we didn't dislike Oliver but we didn't think he made you a priority, Mom says, patting my back. We never said anything because you seemed happy. I always worried about something going on with his tennis partner, Auntie Helen says. Didn't I say that, D? You did, Auntie D confirmed. Is Uncle Fred really going to help me build a website? I ask. We called him last night, Mom says. As soon as you come up with a domain name, he'll get to work. I already sent out an email blast about your new business, Auntie Helen says. The whole family knows. Several cousins have already written back with some jobs for you. Nothing as big as the Moretti account, but one of them needs business cards and another one needs a wedding invitation. You guys, I cry so overwhelmed that tears start flowing again. I can't believe you did all this for me. We're your family, Dom. Mom gives me another hug. We'll always support you no matter what. Even if we're worried about how you're going to fund a retirement account, Auntie Helen says. And even if we don't think you're dating a very nice guy, Auntie Dee says. Will you guys please tell me the next time you think I'm dating a douchebag, I say. I told you that was the right word to use, Annika says, pointing to the offending pancake. I wipe the back of my eyes and look at my family. My high-achieving, wonderful, sweet family. I would be lost without them. I love you guys, I say. We love you too, Mom says. Now sit down and eat before the food gets cold. Hey guys! I'm taking a short break from today's story to tell you about a brand new wine and romance short story that I just finished up. And the story is called Wedding Ditchers. Wedding Ditchers is the wedding story of Dominique and Trevor. So because this is a romance channel dedicated to happily ever afters, I don't think it's a spoiler to let you know that Dom and Trevor, yes, they are going to end up together. They are going to have their happily ever after. It's just gonna take a few more episodes to get there. <laughs> but I did write this short story all about their wedding day and it's super cute, it's super funny, it's also sexy, of course, and you can get it for free over on my website. So head on over to mariematthew.com Click the free book button in the upper right hand corner when you get to the homepage and you can sign up for my author newsletter. And when you do that, this free short story is gonna be delivered right to your inbox. We have both the audiobook 
and the ebook. So you're gonna get links to download both. And of course, that also gives you access to my author newsletter. My newsletter is a really great way to keep in touch with me. I'm not super active on social media, except for the podcast and the YouTube show. So this is a really great way to just keep in touch with my latest projects, the um, behind the scenes stuff that's happening. So be sure to head over to my website, click the free book button in the upper right hand corner and get your free copy of Wedding Ditchers, the wedding story of Dominique and Trevor in the bad girl list. Thanks a lot. Chapter 36. Last night. Dominique. Two nights later, I stand in front of the mirror, staring at myself in the $299 dress from the downtown Healdsburg boutique. It's the same one I saw in the window the night I walked around downtown with Trevor. After tax, it was over $300. I still can't believe I bought it. I'd charged it to my credit card, along with the matching low heels I'd selected. It is, hands down, the most gorgeous outfit I own. The dark blue fabric is thick and silky. It's fitted at the waist and flares out, stopping just above my knees. There are big pockets in the front, exactly the size I need for my sketchbook and pencils. Blue birds a shade darker than the fabric are embroidered around the dress. My mom and aunties nearly had synchronized heart attacks when I checked out at the store, and every last one of them tried to talk me out of the purchase. A month ago, I never would have dreamed of buying myself something so nice. A week ago, instead of asking them to go shopping with me, I would have snuck out to buy the dress and pretended it had come from the clearance rack at Target. But today, I let them all see the price tag before I bought it. I didn't let their horror deter me from my mission. Now I'm ready for one last night out with Annika. We're going to Platitude. Thomas and Minnie are going to meet us, Annika says, applying mascara to my eyes. Thomas promised to buy the first round of drinks. Thinking of Thomas makes me think of Trevor. I haven't heard from him since he dropped me off the other day. Not that I expected to. I had made it clear the door between us is closed, no matter how much I like him. There. Annika pulls back to check her makeup with a critical eye. You look gorgeous. What do you think? I study myself in the mirror. Annika had applied just enough makeup to emphasize my cheekbones, lips, and eyes. I smile at myself. I like it, I say. It's just enough. Yes, but it's still hot. She winks at me. I should be able to pick up a guy in this outfit, I say. You could pick up multiple guys looking like that. The aunties are already at the casino for one last night of gambling with Gramps and his old-timers. Minnie picks us up, and we all ride over to Platitude. Hey doll, did you think about my offer? Minnie asks, looking at me in the rearview mirror. Annika says you still need someone for number 10 on your list. Thanks Minnie, but I'm going to pass and find a guy tonight. I say, hardly believing I'm having this conversation and in front of my smirking cousin no less. I thought about it but I'm just not into girls. Can't blame me for trying, Minnie replies with a shrug. You look hot as fuck. You won't have any problem finding a piece of cock tonight. As soon as we arrive downtown, I see what she means. It's Saturday night and downtown Healdsburg is once again bustling. The restaurants and bars are hopping. Minnie has to circle around the plaza four times to find a parking spot. When we walk into Platitude, I spot Thomas. He waves to us from the bar, pointing to four cosmopolitans sitting in front of him. Someone taps me on the shoulder. Hey gorgeous, says a familiar voice. I was wondering if you were still in town. I turn around and find Kevin smiling down at me. Chapter 37. Goodbye. Trevor. The spring evening is chill, my breath lightly frosting the air. It's almost completely black beneath the large oak tree where I stand with tequila. I grew up learning about the cycles of the earth from Uncle Theo. It seems only natural that I apply the principles of biodynamic farming to my current task. The moon is descending, meaning the earth is entering its more active state. I shove the head of a large shovel into the earth. Roots pop and crack as I lever out the first mound of damp earth. Tequila sits to one side, her head resting on her paws as she watches me. I continue to plunge the shovel into the ground. 
digging a deep hole under the oak tree in our vineyard. Elle and I used to come to this tree to watch the sunset. It's only a short walk from the bungalow. I can't help but think she would approve of this spot for what I have planned. I dig until a large hole is in front of me. Then I lean the shovel against the tree and pick up a box from the ground. Kneeling, I open the box. Tequila yips. It's okay girl, I say, rubbing her on the head. It's time. I take out the contents of the box. On top is the engagement announcement for me and Elle. We stand in a field of mustard flowers, holding hands with smiles that seem to stretch all the way to the sun. I drop the announcement into the hole. Next goes in a stack of love letters from college. We used to write to each other the old-fashioned way, with pen and paper, and slip the notes under one another's dorm room door. Next is a stack of photos, pictures of all the things Elle and I had done together. Hikes, family dinners, trips, nights out on the town. One by one, I look at each of them before dropping them into the hole. A picture of Elle taking a shot at Zeke's on her 21st birthday with me giving her bunny ears. A picture of us drinking from coconuts on a trip to Mexico. Another snapshot of us at dinner in front of my parents' fireplace. And after the pictures are the wedding invitations. Elle had ordered samples from a dozen different vendors, determined to find the perfect card for our big day. Our names are printed across all the samples. I added those to the hole too. Last to go inside were the rings, the ones we never had a chance to wear. Hers was a platinum band with a single solitaire princess cut. Mine was plain platinum. Our names and the date of our wedding is engraved on the inside. Reverently, I set the rings inside the hole atop the pictures and other mementos. I sit there for a long time, just staring at the memories and letting myself feel the enormity of her loss. I miss you Elle, I say aloud, looking down at the bundle of keepsakes. You will always have a special place in my heart. But I can't move forward with my life if I'm hanging on to the past. I need to let you go. Tears sting the back of my eyes. Instead of choking them back like I usually do, I let them fall. It's time to let everything go, including the grief I've carried for the past two years. I climb to my feet and retrieve the shovel. Slowly, reverently, I scoop dirt over the hole. I bury the things I have been hanging onto. The earth will hold the memory of our time together. It will compost the mementos so something new can grow. That's the principle of biodynamic farming. Everything must be returned to the earth so a new cycle can begin. When I'm finished, I use the back of the shovel to tamp down the dirt. I lean against it, letting the last few tears leak out of my eyes. Goodbye Elle, I whisper. I prop the shovel on my shoulder and pick up the empty box. Come on Tequila, it's time to go home. As I turn to leave something catches my eye. Something is moving on the ground near the hole. What is it? I squint through the darkness studying the shape. It abruptly comes into focus. It's a tiny blue butterfly. Not one but four of them, just like the tattoo on Dominique's hip. They flutter over the freshly buried hole, their iridescent wings catching a few stray beams of moonlight. Butterflies are never out at night. They are creatures of sunshine and daylight. Yet here they are, fluttering over the grave where I released my ties to L. And I know without a doubt, that my dead fiancé is not reaching back from the grave to slap me. That was my own guilt that had been speaking, not L. She's come back tonight. She's come to tell me goodbye. I think of Dom's tattoo, of how the sight of it had hit me like a fist in the stomach. What if I'd completely misinterpreted it? Rather than being a reprimand from L, could it have been, her blessing? When I finally walk out from under the tree with tequila at my side, my heart feels lighter than it's felt in years. I'm nearly back to the house when my phone dings. Several messages pile in from Thomas now that I have reception. Bro I bailed you out last time. It's not going to work a second time. Kevin won't touch any of the tequila shots I buy. He's sticking with his vodka martini tonight. This is followed by a picture of Dom and fucking Kevin Durham. They're standing at the bar in platitude, their backs to the camera. Dom is wearing a dark blue dress and holds a Cosmo in one hand. Kevin's hand is around her waist in a manner that is way too intimate for my liking. Several more messages from Thomas follow the picture. Get your ass down to platitude. Dude are you there? Write me back. If you're passed out drunk, I'm going to come home and kick your ass. 
I've been thinking of Dom non-stop for the past few days. It took all my willpower not to text her and beg her to let me take her out. Hell, I even considered driving to her VRBO to see her. Her reason for turning me down stopped me. She admitted to liking me as much as I like her. She turned me down because she wants more than she thinks I'm capable of giving. So I stayed away. That doesn't mean I've let go of the idea of us. Far from it. It's the reason I said my goodbyes to Elle. I planned to give Dom space, knowing she'd be back to the winery for design work. There would be plenty of opportunities for me to see her, to show her I was ready to be the man she deserved. All my plans to be patient go out the window as soon as I see her picture with Kevin. That little fucker with his hands on her. All I want to do is punch him in the face and tell him to go fuck himself. I remember something else Dom said, words that have replayed themselves in my mind at least a thousand times since I last saw her. I kept hoping you'd show up and get between us. That's what she'd said to me. She'd wanted me to show up at Zeke's on karaoke night and give her an excuse not to take a body shot off Kevin. And I'd fucking failed her. Even when Thomas texted me, I hadn't gone to get her. I hadn't kept my promise to sing karaoke with her. If she'd decided to go home with Kevin, I wouldn't have been there to stop her. Fuck if I'm going to make the same mistake twice. I drop the shovel and run for my car. Hello everyone and welcome to the author commentary portion of the Marie Matthew show. I'm the author of the bad girl list Marie Matthew and of course as we always like to do at the beginning of the episodes I like to say cheers to you guys. Ching ching whatever you're drinking I hope it's something delicious. I'm drinking something really really yummy today. I'm really excited to tell you about this wine because it's really a special one. I am drinking a Pinot Noir from a little winery in Healdsburg called William Selium. They're actually located in Dry Creek Valley, the same location where I set Moretti Winery. Let me tell you, this wine definitely has a cult following and true to Dry Creek Valley, they also make a Zinfandel, but I happen to just be drinking a Pinot Noir today. It's from 2011, so it's, that makes it, I think, 11 years old. <laughs> it's 2023 now and I'm drinking this, but it's very early. So we'll say it's between 11 and 12 years old. I'm really lucky. I don't buy wines that are quite as expensive as the wines that they sell at William Slam. They're really, really pricey. And I think you have to be part of their wine club to even get it. So my dad used to be a wine club member, and so he's got quite the collection of William Siam and he came over for my daughter's birthday and he brought it. So yay, <laughs> yay to all the people that came and were able to drink this amazing wine. And it's so interesting. When he first opened it, it was dirty, dusty, earthy. And these are characteristics that you find in older wines. You don't really find wines that really have that uh, dusty, like really deep earthy flavor when they're really young. But especially as you get into bigger wines like Cabs and Syrahs, as they age, they will get like, they will get dusty, a little bit dirty. And so when we first opened this Pinot Noir, I was like, ooh, it's not quite as fruity as I really, as I personally like in a Pinot Noir. It was a little dusty, but you know, it was still good. And uh, it was still fun to you know drink the wine from the cellar. And then uh, my dad left the bottle with me because he's super nice. So it sat on my counter for two days. I had a lot of wine on my daughter's birthday, so I had to take a break. <laughs> anyway, then I opened it. So it's been open for three days. But, oh my God, let me tell you, it really mellowed out. In case you don't know this, Wine has reaction with oxygen, unlike other alcohols. Like you can have a bottle of vodka open for probably a couple of years in the back of your bar and nothing happens to it, right? It tastes the same, but wine's really different. The minute it interacts with oxygen, the oxygen starts to permeate the wine and it actually changes the flavor. 
sometimes this is a bad thing. Um, I've actually had wines where if I had it open for two or three days, by the third or the fourth day, it's bad. Like it, it turns. Most recently I had, it was a rosé from France and the first two days it was fantastic and by the third day it had turned to acid so it went down the drain. But don't worry, it was a cheap bottle from the grocery outlet. <laughs> so it was still a win. It was still a win because I still drank two thirds of the bottle. So as the oxygen interacted with this wine and permeated the wine, it really mellowed out that initial dustiness and now it's just this like really like divine, mellow, super smooth, like super fruity and it's just so good. So if you ever get a chance to try William Sallium, any of those wines, you will not be disappointed. Here's their label. For those of you that are watching on YouTube, you can see their label. And as always, I will link the winery in the show notes because it's fun to visit winery websites and just see what they're all about. Now we're going to jump in and talk a little bit about this episode, episode 13, where Dom and Trevor are each overcoming their own individual obstacles. I have mentioned before that in my house, we watch a ton of romance movies. <laughs> my husband's a total romance movie junkie. He was into romance movies before I ever started writing romance books, which is probably why he was really excited when I told him I was making the switch. <laughs> it's one of the few genres that my daughter really enjoys. She doesn't really like to watch movies, but if my husband and I turn on a romance movie, nine times out of 10, she gets sucked in and she'll stop playing on her iPad to actually like hang out and watch a movie with us, which is always exciting. So anyway, one of the things we talk about in the family is there's always that last obstacle. So this is the part of the romance story where something disastrous happens and you're not sure if the couple's gonna make it. Are they gonna be able to overcome this obstacle and, and come together and find true love and happily ever after? And this is usually the part in the movie where my daughter's either screaming or putting her head under a blanket <laughs> because she feels the embarrassment or like the sadness of the characters. <laughs> but I think most of you know what I mean when I talk about the final obstacle in the romance movie or the romance story. It's the character like, majorly screwing up and having to make amends, or it's a character making a bad decision or falling into an old pattern and you know not being able to come full circle to meet the love interest where the love interest is. There's always some kind of last obstacle. So for me, this episode is really about Dominique and Trevor overcoming their obstacles, right? So we have Dom finishing her list, right? Because this, the list is all about her transformation and she's tired of being stuck in her rut and she is gonna overcome her rut and find her transformation. And then the same thing with Trevor, right? He has to say goodbye to Elle. And saying goodbye to Elle has been his obstacle throughout the whole story, right? Like the grief has really shattered him and he's had to find his way back and make peace and amends and say goodbye to the first love of his life. So this segment is really about the characters on their own individual paths and overcoming their own obstacles that are standing between them. This brings me to my next subject. I wanted to ask the question about happily ever afters because obviously with romance books and romance genre, like we're fans of the happily ever afters, right? We don't sign up for car wrecks. We don't sign up for breakups. Uh, what's that famous movie with Jennifer Aniston? I can't remember. I think it's actually called The Breakup. Vince Vaughn, that's the one, where they break up, but they have forced proximity and they have to still live with each other as roommates. So 
I went into that movie, you know, rom-com, thinking it's gonna be hilarious, they're gonna have struggles, but they're gonna come out together in the end. And when they, whoever edited the movie or produced the movie, they actually had them breaking up at the end. <laughs> I felt so cheated. Like, that's not what I signed up for when I came to a rom-com, right? So, I mean, when we buy a romance book, we want that happily ever after. You know, when I was younger, I really gravitated towards stories with a lot of anguish and destruction. Usually the destruction was violent because I liked science fiction and fantasy. So there was always great wars and like really bad, bad guys <laughs> and people that had to die in the name of a cause. And you know, there's always that theme of like losing friends and loved ones and battles for the noble cause. Uh, I was really into that. So when I was younger, I did, I struggled with depression a lot. In general, I didn't believe in happy endings. When I was younger, I thought fluffy books that had happy endings, like I kind of poo-pooed them, like that's not realistic. Like why would you read that? Anguish and struggle is what felt realistic and that's what I was drawn to in stories I read and I was drawn to it in stories that I, I wrote, hence the entire zombie theme <laughs> that we've talked about, uh, my, my zombie apocalypse genre in which there is a lot of anguish and a lot of struggle. And I wasn't really interested in writing books that quote, weren't realistic. So instead I wrote books about elves and zombies <laughs> because those are realistic. I don't know, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't always quantify and justify the, the workings of the unconscious and, and humanity in general. But anyway, there you go. Coming back around here to the story of happily ever afters. Now in my mid forties, I definitely believe in happily ever afters. One of the reason that, reasons that I like to write happily ever afters is I believe in the power of joy. I believe in the power of happiness. I believe in the power of pleasure. I think these are all really high vibrations that enrich our everyday lives. And I think when we experience them, I think we vibrate at higher frequencies. We spread that vibration to those around us. So in general, reading Happily Ever Afters and experiencing hope, joy, pleasure, happiness, all that stuff, like I'm in, man. Like, <laughs> I think it's so important. I think it's so healthy. And I do believe in the Happily Ever After, but I believe in it in a different sense. Let's go back to where we were talking about the final obstacle, right? So in the romance story, in the classic arc, there's always the last obstacle that the characters have to make it through to find love, happiness, joy, and peace. And if we look at that last obstacle symbolically, let's call it shadow, let's call it trauma, whatever we call it, bad habits, <laughs> bad decisions, but you have to overcome your shadow to find the light, to find the joy, to find the love. And I think the romance story is actually like the archetype example for journeys that we have the opportunity to take in everyday life. So even though the romance story is just a single arc of a happily ever after, the single arc of finding a moment of joy, love, all that good stuff. I believe that this archetype, this arc that we're seeing and experiencing in romance is something that exists. It's an opportunity that exists around us every day. So let's take, for example, I've been married for almost 22 years. Yes, I had my wedding, my happily ever after day, but in 22 years, <laughs> not every day was happy. <laughs> As obstacles come up, right? Shadows, trauma, struggles, hardships. My husband and I have an opportunity to work through them together. 
as a couple and then we get to find that light, that joy at the end. And we've found it together over and over and over again. Uh, sometimes finding it's been harder than other times. <laughs> you know, relationships, they, they grow and change like we do and we have to grow and change and evolve with them. So I, I believe that the romance story, the love story is like this really powerful projection of what we can all achieve and accomplish when we overcome our shadows and our trauma and our hardships. And maybe what's on the other side isn't necessarily like true love, like a boyfriend or a husband, but there's usually some other reward on the other side of the shadow work, of the obstacle work. And I love that. I wanted to give you another example, maybe another real world example of what I'm talking about, about you know the obstacles, the final obstacles that we have in life. This is just a really small one. I was at work the other day and someone did something that really bugged the shit out of me. <laughs> so like I had a moment, I was angry, and then I realized that like this was really my issue. Like it really wasn't that somebody was being annoying, it was that I had expectations that they were gonna do X and they did Y. So then I really had to address my expectations and why I had them. And as soon as I did that, my anger evaporated. I came to a place of understanding and peace. Like, oh, I just had expectations that somebody was gonna do something a certain way, say a certain thing, and they didn't do it. So shame on me for having expectations, right? I had my obstacle. And on the other side of that, I, I had I got my pot of gold, I got my piece. So this is just another example of what I'm what I'm talking about, how the romance book really does have that archetypal struggle that we all encounter every single day. And not only the archetypal struggle, but the archetypal reward that's waiting for us, right? And for me it was just being able to let go of my anger and, and be calm and go through the rest of my day. Like that's actually a gift. Like that's a huge fucking gift. <laughs> Maybe it's not uh, hot sex and you know the happily ever after that you get in the books, but <laughs> it's still a moment. Like it's still a gift. There's still like there's self love happening there, right? Because I'm loving myself enough to to like look at the issues. Just looking at my daughter, for example, like having a blow up with one of her little friends, and then they're not talking to each other, and da da da, da you know, <laughs> all the stuff that happens. But then they make up, and then it's beautiful, and then like they find the redemption and like a new appreciation and like new renewed joy in each other, new just appreciation for the dynamics and the support and the foundation of their friendship and what it's brought to them. The romance story really is almost a guidebook for like living our best lives, right? Overcoming the obstacles to get the pot of gold at the end. And like, it can just be little things, like little things like, Maybe just speaking your mind and telling somebody how you really feel is an obstacle that you need to make it over for the day. And maybe your reward is just a feeling of relief, right? That you finally spoke your truth or appreciation for yourself. Yeah, I do believe in happily ever afters. And I do believe in the classic struggle that, that is portrayed in the books and you know the classic, the classic form of redemption, right? Receiving love at the end and sometimes it's just love from ourselves maybe it's love from our creator love from the universe whatever it is but i feel like there's always that pot of gold that we can find every day like just little nuggets if we just work 
at overcoming our own struggles, our own traumas, our own shadows, however you do that. I know everybody's got different practices and believe me, I've tried many. <laughs> so yeah, that was just my thoughts on happily ever afters and I just wanted to share them. So I'd love to know what you think. I mean, do you think happily ever afters are realistic? And remember, we're talking like the broad sense. I'm not talking necessarily about finding the one, but a happily ever after just representing joy, peace, happiness, pleasure, all of that. Are you at all like keyed into your, your daily struggles that your, your shadows, your trauma, your challenges that you're faced with that uh, you have an opportunity to face and overcome. So now we've come to an end of Camille's deep thoughts, we call them deep ramblings for the day. <laughs> deep thoughts on happily ever after and romance stories. I don't know, whatever you call it. Love to hear what you think. You can drop comments on YouTube. You can always email me at romancingmarie at gmail.com. And of course, if you can't wait to get to the ending of the bad girl list you can buy the book over on my website at mariematthew.com we have autographed hardbacks paperbacks ebooks audiobooks and of course we have our hello date night boxes so you can really experience joy and pleasure <laughs> please come visit me at my shop i would love to see you there as well and until next time cheers and i hope you have a wonderful week talk soon bye